Hey folks, I'm delighted to bring you two exclusive interviews from a very special event that I attended recently in Nuremberg in Germany called Teaming with AI. Now, a few weeks ago, as I was driving to Northern Ireland, I mentioned to my wife about an event that my friends Marcus Hormez, Adam Lawrence and Florin Bailey were hosting. I didn't expect to be given a free pass to attend this from the family, but it came and I didn't ask a second time. Now, I have a bit of a love-hate relationship with AI folks. I enjoy reading about it, but I can foresee some massive transformations that are likely to occur. Not in the future, but right here, right now. I hadn't really sat down and given the impact that much thought, other than I know it's extremely likely. And this event gave me time to pause, connect and reflect and review the changes in macro level detail. Now what was of most interest to me was how it can change, how we design, but more to the point, how it is likely to change design. I gave an hour session at the conference on how This Is 8 CD has been leaning into AI since 2018. Now, most of the edits that you hear on the podcast are trained on my voice, meaning we have presets for my microphone that I have at home, and even have the ability to edit what I say using a trained AI on my Mac to make those small changes here and there. Pretty cool, huh? But back to design. Well, I was in a workshop led by our guest today in this episode, Steffi Kiefer. Now, she is an independent practitioner and facilitates design thinking type workshops, design sprints, etc., and has been using AI a lot more than most within their work. And we go deeper into this. Just how are they using AI and what AI pieces are they using? So if you listen to the entire episode, you'll get an overview of just how much change is upon us. Now, we used a basic five-step design process and reviewed how, where, and when AI can be applied and what the likely outcomes are at each stage. Now, quite simply, this is a must-listen for anyone on the tools or anyone within any strategic function in business today. Let's get into it. And we're done. We're recording. Steffi, I'm delighted to have you here on This Is 8CD. Um, I'm here with Steffi Kiefer in the Nuremberg Teaming with AI conference or unconference that my good friends Adam Lawrence and Florian and Marcus Hormez have been organizing. But Steffi, for our listeners, maybe start off by telling us a little bit about yourself and where you're from and what you do. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, I'm Steffi. I'm a UX designer, design thinking coach, but I also um, have a chatbot for addiction recovery. So many. Oh, really? Yeah, I do. Um, wow. So we built that two years ago but it's now even more exciting with a new technology. Well, we'll, we'll try and get into that with a little bit more information. Are you based in here, here in Nuremberg? Um, I'm actually based in Munich, south of Munich, near the Amazee. Ah, okay, very good, very good. So the topic that we uh, were exploring there in your talk was enhancing the design thinking process with AI tools. Um, and it was brilliant because it was exactly what I was looking for from this, this event. I was trying to understand how it could be seen as uh, a partner or even a nemesis potentially, to the design process. So maybe let's start off and talk, what's your experience um, in this area? Well, I've been experimenting now for quite some time um, how to incorporate AI into the design thinking process to make it even better and to extract the most potential out of this. Um, to give you a bit of background, normally um, I'm, well, basically I'm 
I'm running an awful lot of workshops um, or design sprints. So this is sort of mm. the main activities I do. And I try to basically increase product productivity, but also outcomes. And I was experimenting and I'm happy to share some of those yeah. findings um, that came out of this from the last few months. You mentioned there you wanted to make it better. Describe what better means. Better means in terms of collab collaboration as a team, but also in terms of outcomes. Um, because often business outcomes, business outcomes, generally solution outcomes, um, and how to measure those, and basically, yeah, just have use the superpowers and adapt them to the design thinking process. Okay, so let's start off. Like you've got a number of slides here, which we may or may not be able to include in the show notes. Absolutely. Um, but the first step in the process. Let's talk. You know, phase zero. What do you call phase zero in in your process? Yeah, phase zero is. Any, everything that happens before we actually start workshopping and engaging in the, in the team workshop. So it's all the preparation work where you sort of define the goals, you define the outcomes, you have stakeholder interviews, you mm. basically become an expert in whatever try you're trying to do. And seeing right. that I'm often an external person entering companies or different industries where I don't, I'm not an expert of those inter industries, I have to get up to speed very, very quickly. There's, there's yeah. a lot of the learning. Rapid. rapid learning is yeah. the key. So... Before, you know, you spent a lot of time in stakeholder interviews, you spent a lot of time in meetings, you spent a lot of time researching the topic. Um, mm. And then there's only so much time you can invest in this. And now with using the new AI tools um, that are out there, you so can So how are you doing it? Come on, let's hit us. Go into the details. Let's give us the secret sauce. What are you using to get up to speed? Like obviously ChatGPT is the one that people are kind of yeah. uh, most aware of, the open AI um, chat bot, yeah. or not chat bot, but you know what I mean. So what are you using to get up to speed in phase zero? Um, I usually start with Bing AI, which is based on um, GPT-4, to just get an understanding of the, of the problem space, of the areas, of the industry, because what I like about Bing AI is that you can have a different mode. You can have the creative mode, but you can also have the precise mode okay. with the actual you know, sources of the information, because I'm you know, still got to trust, learn how to trust the AI, and I'm, right. I'm, uh, I'm a critical person, so I do want to know where it's coming well, from. I've learned something new already. Bing AI, like I've just been using ChatGPT, uh, and that whole process of understanding the origin and the process of how things got to where it is, is really, really important. And that usually is very prevalent in the human interaction of when we're creating these things and when we're understanding these things. So it's good that Bing AI has still included that in the process as opposed Absolute, to yeah. being binary. Yeah, there's also a difference between using the, the free model, the ChatGPT3 model, which is based, I think, on 3.5. There's mm. a huge difference between that model and the new one, the GPT-4. I've heard rumors say that a GPT-4 will have uh, web integration at some point. Um, right, okay. So this is going to come. But anyway, this is sort of the go-to source for me to get an understanding of a particular customer segment or an industry, mm. uh, identifying the sort of potential problems they're currently having as part of the challenge and basically actually running through the entire design thinking process. So understanding right. customer problems, um, exploring different routes, understanding the needs, the jobs to be done, all of this, until I actually come to problem statements and well, what I normally do is I go into ideation as well to see what potential solutions might come out of this. Right. To the point where I actually take on the leadership perspective to see, to validate, to let leadership perspective basically okay. prioritize the ideas. So I have quite a lot of information in my backpack, which I then bring to the stakeholder interviews or stakeholder um, briefing calls yeah. to bounce it back off with them. And uh, the learnings are 
are basically that we can do much better scope refinement and agreeing on outcomes and uh, successful metrics to look yeah. at. So The potential there is to increase the quality of those early calls, really. But the potential there for you as an independent consultant is to capitalize on the, the efficiency gain in terms of monetary value. Is that something that people tend to explore more of, do you think, in terms of being able to leverage the AI capabilities to get to A to B much quicker and bill, bill more? Um, some people might do that. In my case, actually, it wasn't such a productivity gain in terms of I spent less time on it because it's a giant rabbit hole and you sort of end up yeah. feeling lost in all sorts of different directions and it's really about time boxing and, and uh, just spending just quicker. the right amount of time. So phase zero, there's a couple of other ones there that you mentioned uh, in the talk, Humata.ai. Maybe tell us a little bit about that because I hadn't heard of it. Yeah, Humana, uh, Humata, AI and Illicit, um, those are AI tools where you can upload basically PDF documents. Okay. So for example, if there are any studies that have been published and which tend to be quite long and time consuming to go through, so you can just upload it and it summarizes. And you can ask any kind of questions because they've got ChatGPT integration okay. and it summarizes it for you. You can go into questioning certain aspects. So it's quite a useful tool to get a very quick idea of oh, research papers. It's amazing. So do, do you have to pay for humata.ai? I'm on the free version. I think probably if you use it a, a lot, yeah. There's probably a paid version. And what about Bing AI? Is there is that a paid? Bing AI is free. Free, okay. Um, and ChatGPT, well, there's a free version, but if you have GPT-4, which I highly recommend, actually, yeah. um, you, you have to pay for so it. I started paying for ChatGPT a couple of months ago, and it's worth it. Um, yeah. So after phase zero, what's the next phase for you? What do you call Because you're using a five-step process. Yeah, before I actually go into the workshop, there's, of course, the workshop preparation. So even for that step, you can use ChatGPT to prepare your agenda design, um, getting some structure to the workshop. However, you do have to still know what you're doing because um, mm. otherwise uh, GPT might suggest you an agenda, which doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So curation is, is key here, um, but it's a good basis to accelerate actually the process. And you know, if you do have slides to show, you know, automatic slide generation um, works wonderfully. Really, and yeah? Wow. Yes and no. It depends, again, what quality of slides you prefer. If you want a long list of text, then, you know, go to Tome AI, for example. I've so what was the one there that you're saying you can create the slides for you? Was that well, there's Tome AI and Beautiful AI. Personally, I don't use any of those because I'm not a big fan of long blocks of text on slides. I prefer yeah. to just have, you know, a couple of keywords and that's it. However, I do like using visuals to create the story mm. um, and I'm a big fan of using Midjourney for that so Mid -journey, for me okay. stock photos are dead I will never ever use stock photos again okay. never yeah, so with Midjourney whenever I've used it um, people's faces are always a bit distorted and they seem to be getting kind of mixed results what's the secret to getting a good um, visual for your slides with Midjourney you must have some hot tips well using version 5 instead of 4 Okay. Gets rid of the finger problem, so we can actually right, okay, human yeah. beings have five fingers now, which is really nice. Yeah, nice. Um, and actually using really good prompts. I mean, really good is a big is a big topic. Um, but I think using, looking at what other people are producing, and if you like the results, you know, you can copy paste um, the prompts. The prompts um, using different camera angles, um, uh, photography styles. Um, mm. You know. And I think this is where creativity comes in because you can mix all sorts of styles, uh, like you know, seventies retro together okay. with futuristic things uh, in Polaroid. Interesting. Because um, like, I'm going to call out one of your prompts here like that as a really pretty cool um, 
floating post-its with a group of people looks like they're interacting with the floating pro, uh, post-its in a field of flowers okay and i'm going to read the prompt out it says mid-journey prompt which is the group of people writing on colorful sticky notes sticky notes floating in the air in a field of flowers retro futuristic 1970s full body portrait polaroid photo v5 which is v5 is obviously mid-journey yeah. five yeah? yeah and that gave you that result which is it looks like it's a staged photograph you couldn't you literally couldn't tell the difference um which is a really cool visual to go alongside the workshop design slide which you you create and that's one of the huge benefits of this yeah. you know that stock photograph thing Absolutely. did you did you have to pay for for the use of that um you can use up to i actually don't quite know i think up to Im 20 image, images you can use for free you don't a have month? to pay no, just generally. Just generally, we used it up in like in one evening, sitting on the sofa. It's like, oh, let's create another image. Oh, let's create another one. Oh, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's all gone now. Our credit. Um, but then I think it's ten ten dollars a month. Okay. For so a subscription. Bad. No. Yeah, not that bad. Okay, so workshop design, and then you're talking about three X game. Is that right? Yeah, it's a three X game for me. Um, mainly it could have been much quicker but mainly it's a giant happy rabbit hole where you get lost at least in the beginning so it's, it's yeah. exploring the wonderful avenues um so time boxing i think is absolutely crucial in the preparation how do you time box you, you must you've mentioned time uh, being an important factor here when you're designing is there any systems that you're using to help time box your your time and effort um i think it's my own personal instinct of you know i haven't That's slept i haven't read uh, i haven't eaten <laughs> um okay maybe it's time to move on to something else now um and oh yeah. yes i have client work and uh, a family who's Very sort good. of keeps breathing so I, i've started using flow have you ever, you ever heard of flow like where you can use the the system um i can't remember the name of the system where I think it was einstein that created you can time box 20 minute incre increments then a five minute break 20 minutes and then a five minute break and then you get a longer break um, which is a nice one. I've mentioned it on the podcast before. But anyway, I didn't mean to deviate too much. Absolutely. A giant rabbit hole. Yeah. Uh, uh, managing the rabbit hole is really, really important. Yeah, I actually have an aura ring in it. My phone ah, starts buzzing after after an hour that I have, to, I have to move around. So usually that's quite a good indicator. Nice. I've been, I've been stable. Yeah. So lessons learned, um, you know, from that whole point, as we said, we, you know, we don't get down the rabbit hole. But then you move into the next stage. Absolutely. Which uh, most people would be like, when are we going to start doing research? Um, so walk me through how you see AI sitting within research, because this is a very sort of a debatable topic. Um, traditionally, it's been very human-led, uh, understanding the nuances of human behavior, understanding the facial expressions, understanding the reading the room, all of these things. How have you been using AI in research? Yeah, absolutely. Big topic. Um, I think the first distinction, distinction we have to make is dis separating qualitative or quantitative research yeah. okay um for quantitative research you know where you have a whole bunch of data in a spreadsheet or mm -hmm. you know feedback from users i think it's a very different story because you don't see them you don't hear them you can't feel them yeah. so it's much easier to use ai to synthesize it and generate insights from it yeah um and see patterns emerging um with qualitative user research it's much more difficult i personally think to use ai um in a way that you know, it's really beneficial. However, what I've what I've seen, what I've what we've used is, I think it can accelerate the process immensely, um, just by using, for example, you know, you know, you go out, you do run your interviews. Um, ideally, you have some kind of transcript afterwards, so whether it's mm. speech to text, so some kind of a documentation of the interview process. Um, where it's really beneficial is that if you do sort of a first analysis using AI, so. Okay. 
not having any sensitive data and um, you know basically you have to remove all of this but we have to remove remove that sure. anyway in user research but getting a first stab or a rough draft in clustering sort of the main topics according to maybe activities or mm. um, the, you know what the person is thinking or feeling or actually not so much that but principles the person is doing activities the person is doing so get yeah. a first first idea um, if we completely replace it we can actually we can use gpt4 to completely you know run through automate that process of generating insights doing sentiment analysis uh generating um you know clustering for various topics yeah but what i've found is that especially if we work together as a team you lose the empathy as part of the team you you lose um the alignment in the team you use mm. lose you know the feeling of the ownership the ownership yeah and and you know the subtle the subtle um meaning that happens in between what people say that's mm. that's you lose that and i think it would be a shame to if lose you lose that. that you lose pretty much everything really the purpose exactly is kind of being sort of diluted an awful lot yeah uh, i feel sad when we're, when we're talking about this piece because it's something that i i realize is probably inevitable but at the same time we must fight to retain that we must fight to retain the human aspect of things as much as possible you mentioned there about the difference between qualitative and quantitative and quantitative it's much easier but in qualitative how are you seeing ai being used um, what, in transcribing? Transcribing, but in terms of, we, we were discussing earlier around the sentiment analysis and the nuances of the human delivery in terms of linguistic delivery. Um, and that's often, at the moment, it's been overlooked when you're transcribing your, even the podcast episodes, folks, or your interviews, it doesn't include that, the inflections, you know, the, the likelihood of it being a joke or any of that kind of stuff. Someone mentioned whisper.ai as being a potential integration into ChatGPT. Is that something that you've seen or ever played around with? I haven't yet, but I'm dying to do that. Yeah. Um, I know I've used um, IBM Watson and a number of years ago, 2016, maybe even even earlier, to detect sentiment analysis of blocks of text. But it'd be really interesting to see what that looks like and how that information can actually lead to more informed and better outcome research results. And Marcus here, who's uh, who's been on the podcast several times before, folks, mentioned about John Maida, who is using AI in the research phase at the moment to generate uh, tangible, uh, ideated concepts and include them at the end of their sessions. They're, that turnaround time used to take us weeks, as you know, from going from research into ideation and back around, whereas John Maida was saying it was taking about a minute, I think it was. So that loop that used to take weeks is now down to minutes to generate ideas, which I don't know how I feel about it, but um, the potential there to introduce those concepts back to a, an actual person from the source, potentially of the research that we're trying to match that uh, problem and solution to is probably huge. The, the mind-blowing, mind-blowing. Yeah, and it, it, it literally, I, I imagine it could freak out participants based on the problem they're talking about it's a little bit of a Houdini, like, ta-da, would this work? Yeah. And getting their granular feedback and being able to understand that could be yeah. pretty cool. It probably creates also new roles within the user research community. So you have mm. the person running the interviews, you have the note taker, and you ha might have, you know, the AI analysis, analysis yeah. know, who's sitting there and running, you know, running the AI tools on the side and and prompting and, and looking for gaps. And I mean, ethically, that opens up a huge gap because... You know, if I've mentioned something about 
my life and it's used that in the cloud very quickly and generated a problem off the back of that. The de-anonymization of the, the data before it hits the cloud is going to be a, a role because if you've signed a waiver um, uh, or a consent form and you're saying you're going to be using AI, we're not going to be capturing certain information, but we are going to post it to generate ideas and then delete it, you're probably going to get a little bit of pushback, I'd say, from participants. What do you think? I'm not sure. It probably depends on the participant. It depends yeah. on the age group. If it's like, you know, a younger person, a younger person they probably might not care. Um, yeah. It depends on how you grow up with data. Um, True. We do have still a lot to discuss and there's a lot to learn on that area. So Yeah, well, let's, let's see how that uh, unfolds for us. So after the research piece, um, the productivity gain of 12x. And sorry, folks, if you hear the music in the background, Adam Lawrence is currently doing his Rocky impression, working in a workshop. Um, he's like one of those pretty girls walking around with a with a, a timer above his head, like four minutes left. So um, anyway, we'll, we'll move back to this this conversation. The productivity gain is 12x, you're see, saying, within the research phase. Yeah. So basically, research analysis, if you do it in a team, you know, live in a workshop, it could take mm. up to one and a half, one and a half hours, two hours. Easy. Easy. Per session. Per, yeah, per session. Easily, easily, easily. And it's a fraction of the time if you let, you know, GPT take care of it. Wow. Um, so, but again, you know, what's the goal? You know, do you want to create empathy and alignment and ownership in the team? Or do you just want to get the data Speed. processed? Yeah. Speed. So that's the main thing. <laughs> so let's move on to the next one. So, you know, you're talking here um, after research, we're moving into ideation. And myself and Florian, um, one of the organizers of the conference here were Florian Bailey. We were talking about ideation. And instantly we said, there's probably not, not enough steps in ideation. We had to break that down into certain points. And we were talking about a three-step process to really improve the problem framing piece up front and provide much more context to the problem framing. And we could have as many facets as we want in there of the problem framing to enable context. And we were talking about it being more like levers um, that you dial up and dial down in terms of the problem framing. And we imagine it could probably generate um, concepts um, pretty quickly using what's available at the moment, mid-journey and uh, and what not but then we would set out the curation process about what is it we're trying to achieve here is it a business value is it um, monetization is a profitability whatever those factors are how do you see it like that this was myself and florian speculating um but how are you using ai currently in your workshops so currently i'd say in workshops it wasn't used very well because yeah. we just inserted it into the normal creative process. Okay. So it's just another tool. And I think we failed. We generated zero new ideas. Okay. Um, we lost people on the way. They got trapped in the world of ChatGPT and we never seen again afterwards. Um, <laughs> Asking <laughs> so, questions about everything. So um, I think the place of AI is a bit different. Um, probably more at the beginning where we sort of level out an entire field and run mm. through different routes. Or later on when we evaluate ideas and do deep dives. Um, yeah. but not as part of the actual creative, you know, s human ideation process. Right. Um, the other ideas maybe, you know, separate that or look at the ideation process from a very different way that we do have mm. sort of a, you know, a creative team, a designer team, you know, playing yeah. around with the tools, exploring different options before we then open up in a more cross-functional team to get some, you know, input from different perspectives, from sure. the engineers, from, from, you know, the business people to build on one another's ideas. So it might, yeah. you know... It's going to change, I think, because we will use AI tools because we can accelerate and we can just generate so many more ideas. And I mean, the quantity, yeah. having more quantity, 
you know, normally produces better outcomes in the long run. So there's probably a mini step. If, if you imagine research and ideation, ideation coming after research, and if we're talking about what Marcus was telling us about John Maida, where he was using, it might be research and ideation um, or research deation um, uh, coming in one phase and then afterwards it's clarifying. You've increased the quality of what might work um, from those research sessions if you're including them in in that kind of phase, the research deation phase, as, as I'm just coming up in the spot with. But um, you've mentioned some tools there, like Synapse. Um, what does that look like? What, what's, well, what do you do with it? it basically, it's also chat GPT based, um, but you write down your problem space, your, okay. problem, your problem statement, your customer segment, mm -hmm. um, and it generates ideas, but not sort of the obvious ideas. It sort of chucks in random you know, it, it combines new systems, it combines new ideas together, like, you know, I guess adding a bit of different perspectives or different analogies, which might spark ideas. new ideas. So it's like a, yeah. like a stepping stone to different directions of that you might not have thought of. So at the moment, it's really leveraging AI as a springboard in ideation is what I'm hearing. Is that yeah. right? So as opposed to like myself and Florian and Tina were, were exploring was really about how we could actually leverage it uh, and include it, almost like a you know a new team member to do the heavy lifting. Uh, but we still see a huge emphasis on curation there, like the curation process to be able to select the ideas um, and also have the human ownership of the idea as well. I know I was chatting a little bit more around that as opposed to it not being a an AI generated idea. It's an idea that the human person behind it has actually helped curate so um after ideation we, we then started talking about prototyping and your, yourself and marcus were working on this space do you want to tell us how you're currently using ai in prototyping well, that's still happening a lot i mean it's, yeah. it's, it's quite a new space um what is interesting there's a lot of new better versions you can sign up for mm. um, tools like um wizard and get galileo which promise basically you know scribble to interface Okay, yeah. I've seen so, that. Yeah. So, um, in part of the you know areas of digital product design, I think we're going to see mm. quite a lot happening at the moment. Yeah. Um, with prototyping, it, again, it depends on if you have you know a team like a dedicated team with AI literacy working on it, um, yeah. where they can just you know generate produce, stuff. generate more and more and more, or whether you're in a situation where you're in a workshop and you don't you know you've got to keep keep things simple. It's more for optimizing the experience of the people there, creating mm. an alignment, um, using rapid prototyping tools. So you do have to be aware of that, and depending on which situation, use different kind of tools. Sure. Because integrating complex new AI tools in a workshop scenario doesn't work. It yeah. just it would just frustrate everyone. Yeah, complicate things. Yeah. But what what might happen actually, what what could be interesting is, you know, after the user research, you might create personas, your user profiles mm -hmm. in ChatGPT. And then later on during prototyping, you can use those that that data or that persona, that yeah. generated persona, to, you know, feedback the idea to and have it as an mm -hmm. as a critic, yeah. basically, or like just as a playback. synthetic user to play back. So you yeah. have an immediate iteration round. Um that's pretty cool when you think about it. Well, one of the things that I've used over the years is video prototyping to walk through service models uh, and service diagrams based on how people are going to in, interact with the services. And I've used real-world video teams and, and editors and stuff. Um, but over the last number of months, I've been using Descript, which allows me to generate a, a script, a, a typed script, and then generate my voice using AI. And then I'm able to pull in 
from maybe a quarter of a million um, videos that kind of I have to match them up basically and how they can tell the story a little bit. Do you know of any AI tools out there that can generate video-based content based on prompts? It's not really my, my area. There are loads there. I'd have to actually look it up. Okay, um, yeah. Because that would be really cool. If you create a script and it could start putting together yeah. like the, the B roll and the A roll for your videos. If anyone's got any ideas for that, folks, feel free to email in. The link is in the show notes. Um, so overall, where do you see the next six months going for AI and this the design process? It's... Uh, Absolutely, because it's, it's changing rocket. weeks. It's, it's or days changing even. daily. It's probably as we speak. Um, where we see it happening, I think the people who are interested, the people who are motivated, the people who are intrinsically motivated, they will just thrive on it. And we might lose a whole bunch of people on the way yeah. because they either scared or they, you know, they don't want to or they don't even know. So mm. I think we're going to see a widening gap in the beginning. I think the gap will close. Yeah, um, I'm a bit afraid of the amount of I change. Guess, change, but also the content that's being created. And, and actually, it reminds me a little bit of the good old days, you know, in Photoshop, um, where they, you know, filters were all of a sudden the big rage, yeah. and everyone was using blurry type and neon glow filters, and it yeah, feels yeah. a bit like that. So I think it's going to level out, and we're going to see some really nice quality coming out of this. Yeah. Hopefully, like as you said, we're probably going to lose an awful lot of people in the industry to this. But what advice do you give to people, um, you know, who might be sitting on the fence, kind of going, "Look, I know about it. I've I've heard you speak about it, Jerry, or whatever." What advice do you give to people and just getting started? Oh, start, yeah, get get started. Start playing with it. Sign up for the accounts. Yeah. I mean, it's so exciting what's out there, and if mm. you don't play with it, somebody else will, and it's leveling up the playing field i mean you have actually no choice i think yeah um go and play with it it's super exciting i think we have to also have to have conversations about it um, yeah because there's always you know to a good side there's always a bad side so absolutely which well, we'll we won't touch on <laughs> maybe we'll, we'll bring you back on in six months and see where things are at because like it's great to have connected with you here stephanie and i really enjoyed working alongside you uh, in the last workshop um if people want to reach out to you and learn more about your business how can they do that well on LinkedIn, it's the easiest. Um, yeah. Steffi Kiefer. I'll put a link you, to that in the show notes. Absolutely. Or on email or whatever social media you'll find me. You just okay, awesome. Google me. We'll put, a, we'll put a couple of links into the show notes, folks. Thank you so much for your time, Steffi. Great for having me.